2: So let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verses 23 through 24. Verse 23 says, "All things are lawful," that is morally legitimate, permissible. But not all things are beneficial or advantageous. All things are lawful, but not all things are constructive to character and edifying to spiritual life. Let no one seek only his own good, but also that of the other person. Now, I used to read this, and it it was a little bit confusing to me, but then I got to thinking, the Lord gave me an illustration. All things are lawful. I am completely free to walk up to a wasp nest and hit it with a stick. But that might not be a good idea. I am completely free to eat old chicken. But that might not be a good idea either. None of these things are forbidden by the law, but they will wreak havoc on your flesh. Now, Paul says, all things are lawful. Well, I'll tell you something. How you read this verse reveals your context for life. The goal for us as new creations is to live in the truth. We want all things concerning us to end in the revelation of Christ. That's our desire. That's our heart. Our appetite should be for those things that affirm the truth, that are edifying to spiritual life. The Corinthians viewed liberty as being about edifying their flesh. Ephesians 4.15 says, But speaking the truth in love, in all things, both our speech and our lives, expressing his truth, let us grow up in all things into him. Following his example, who is the head, Christ. Grow up in all things where? Into what? Into him. Now, all things have the purpose for growing the child of God into him. Now, that doesn't mean you're not in him. Now, it means the purpose of all things. This is also the same, all things that work together for good. All things that are a part of your life, that are allowed into your life, have a purpose of growing you into him. Now, where we deviate from that principle is when we decide that all things for us is about what we can indulge our flesh in. What promotes our pride and our identity in this world what desires we have concerning ourselves and others what our plan is about here's the thing so many of us spend a lot of time trying to sort out our purpose why because the world's all about you living to a specific purpose but it is not jesus they would not define jesus as a purpose for living They would define Jesus as something that would guard our lives or guide our lives if they were being generous. But they would not say that the central focus of living would be Christ. It would not be the central principle of our lives, And we will give lip service to that, but yet we will sit and complain before God that we don't have a clear path. We've got to know the will of God in all things. We've got to know what He's doing. We've got to know what He's about. Why is that? I'll tell you why. Because it's still your life. It's not His life. That's why you have a problem with it. Or at least that's why I do. The reality of it is that we have but one purpose in all things. Knowing Him. You know, I don't know... What tomorrow holds. I have an idea. I don't know what this evening holds. I have an idea. But I know what it's about. I always know what it's about. We grow in all things. That is unto him. Life is not about the body. It's about us expanding in the truth. Rather than becoming more selfish. We should be becoming increasingly selfless. The selfless expresses the character of the new creation. Let's look at verses 25 and 26. Paul says, "...regarding meat offered to idols, eat anything that is sold in the meat market without asking any questions for the sake of your conscience. For the whole earth is the Lord's and everything that is in it." And you might say, as I did, wait a minute, didn't we discuss this already? Haven't we thoroughly exhausted the subject of meat sacrifice to idols? Why are we back here? I think I read all that in chapter 8, didn't you? Well, we did. In chapter 8, Paul addresses the issue, but the issue was not resolved. Why? Because the question is about liberty in the flesh. And listen to me. There is never enough liberty in the flesh. So we got to address it again. Right? Paul answers it this way. In 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 8 and 9, he says, Now food will not commend us to God, nor bring us close to Him. We are no worse off if we do not eat it, nor are we better if we do eat. Only be careful that this liberty of yours, this power to choose, does not somehow become a stumbling block, that is a temptation to sin to the weak in conscience. Well, while it would seem that the Corinthians readily embraced their freedom to eat the meat, they were not willing to limit their liberty for the sake of their brother. They had, in fact, took liberty up a notch. And now we're going to pagan temples and participating in pagan feasts and festivals given in honor to God. Well, after all, the idols are nothing. And Paul did say... The meat was nothing. So we're free to go and eat. We're just not going to worship the idol. I mean, we're not going to actually bow down to the idol. We're just going to enjoy. They got good food there. That's why I go. It's good food, right? They got good music. I go for the music. That's why I go, right? I mean, I'm at Liberty. And after all, they do have a dance going on. And I like to dance. It's good exercise, right? I'm free to do that. I freedom in Christ, right? Well, liberty in the flesh may not be sin, but it is affirming the practice of living to the appetites of the flesh. It's a course of life. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 27 and 28. If one of the unbelievers, Paul writes, if one of the unbelievers invites you to a meal at his home, and you want to go, eat whatever is served to you without asking questions about its source for the sake of your conscience. But if anyone says to you, this meat has been offered in sacrifice to an idol, do not eat it out of consideration for the one who told you and for conscience sake. Now, Paul is giving them some really practical instructions. And this is necessary for those who are immature and live by the instruction rather than by their communion with the Spirit of God. This is necessary for the immature who live by instruction rather than by their communion with the Spirit of God. Do you think that this question would even be asked if they were not living to their flesh? No. He gives them some very practical instruction. They were not going to be able to avoid certain scenarios as long as they're living in the world. They lived in an idolatrous society. They knew that they were going to encounter these things. So, this is a very practical way to avoid clouding your witness before men. Paul's saying, avoid the accusation by not asking. If, however, the origin of the meat is declared... Then, politely refuse to partake. The witness of truth is of greater priority than your liberty. Now, that's the principle underneath it all. The witness of truth is a greater priority than your freedom, your liberty. But if you are not about the witness of truth, if you're just about your liberty and your freedom, you are carnal. Now, guys, I live there. I know what that's about. Carnality punishes you. There is no rest there. You are wandering in the wilderness, still begging God for your provision with a faint idea that you never embrace, even though the evidence of it is clearly around you, that God loves you and He is faithful. And He'll prove it to you over and over again. Water from rocks, manna in the wilderness, meat scattered about the ground, sandals that don't wear out. He will continue to be consistently who He is as your God. You just will not be able to enjoy the pleasure of having one. That's a penalty for carnality. You don't enter into the fullness of all that he has prepared for you. The witness of truth is a greater priority than your liberty. As one theologian put it, edification before gratification. Edification before gratification. Others before self. The principle of love... Love lived out. Not human love, but spiritual love. Do you think I'm just talking about the Holy Spirit? No. You are spiritual people. Your love is to be supernatural. When we say we can't love someone, we've relegated our love to our emotions and our, our judgments. We have become carnal, and we perceive ourselves wrongly, and we perceive others wrongly. We talk about, well, I fall into the flesh. Occasionally, you know, I get in the flesh. Let me tell you something. You may walk according to the flesh, but you are not flesh, period. You don't get into the flesh. You mimic the flesh, You live according to the appetites of this body rather than living to the guidance of the spirit within. That's the choice you made. And don't ever kid yourself. It's always a choice. And you know what? You can move in and out with just a change of focus. You know what the change of focus is called? Repentance. Turning your eyes from flesh to truth. Flesh truth. Now, I made that look difficult. It's not as difficult as I made it look. Verses 29 and 30. And by conscious sake, I mean for the sake of the other men, it's not yours, presuming that you're operating the liberty of the Spirit. For why is my freedom of choice judged by another's conscience, another's ethics, another's sense of right and wrong? If I take my share of food with thankfulness, why am I accused because of something for which I give thanks? Now, it's pretty obvious he's saying we invite the condemnation and judgment of others when we violate their conscience by our behavior. We are not to flaunt fleshy liberty. And I know people who do. They're just looking for an opportunity to tell you about their latest fleshy liberty. And all throwing in all of the right Christian buzzwords and talking about how isn't it great to be free in Christ while I go out there and play with the heathen. Well, you know what? These comments are not to exact legalism. I'm telling you this is not about Living to the law versus living to the spirit. This is about living in the deception of a flesh-centered carnal life versus living in the truth of your spiritual being. And we try to break this down to where we're just legalism or we're grace. Legalism or grace. While those things are true, you can choose between the two. How do you live them? If you're going to live in legalism, let me tell you, brother, you're living according to the flesh, and I don't care how much Scripture you got memorized. But if you're going to live to grace, living to grace is not the grace to indulge your flesh. Living to grace is the grace to explore our freedom in Christ, to literally rush out and embrace all that He has for us, to exhibit the truth of God, the glory of God. That is what that, that's the choices we're making. And I see, I see it in the Christian community today. We're just dividing us, ourselves off again. We're about knowing the word, Apollos. We're about freedom in Christ, Paul. We're about Jesus. He is our life. And what's more, he is the context of our life. He is the truth of how we live it out. He is the reality of how we live. But it's a choice. Listen, we are not to flaunt our fleshy liberty. What we do, let us practice love in all things as he did. We never compromise truth, but being selfless concerning the practice of temporal liberty is an act that affirms the truth within us. It affirms the truth to tell your flesh no. Why? Because you're not flesh. Do you ever think about that? It affirms the truth in you to say no to the appetites of the flesh. I don't care if you can show me scripture and verse, how you're allowed to act in that way. If it is offensive to the person or next to you, if it's going to grieve somebody around you, why don't you affirm the truth of who you are in love? Choose that. Because it is a choice. I will not live to the flesh of man, but I will yield to the spirit of my new nature to affect balance in my behavior. And only He is balance. I'm not in the middle between the spirit of God and the flesh trying to balance life. I'm literally created in the very atmosphere of balance because Christ's life is balanced. What I do know is that when I judge, I judge wrongly. And I know that I only have discernment through the Spirit of God. And I can tell you this, that a man that's looking to indulge his flesh is not looking to the Spirit of God. He'll want to know chapter and verse, but he's not yielding his heart to truth. We are thankful that we have liberty. How do we give thanks? For liberty to offend a brother. How do we give thanks for that? That's what Paul's asking. We are thankful that we're not bound to our appetites. But we are commended to man by selfless love. You want to be a contrast to this world? Selfless love. Now it's not something you can manufacture. Or put on. that'll, That'll ring true. But it is something that the world knows nothing of. Nor can they comprehend. It doesn't make sense. You know, when I used to take the kids grocery shopping when they were little, it was really hard for them to walk past the toys that were hanging on the shelves, you know, particularly if they're hanging down low. It was hard for them to just ignore those things, not cry out for them, not reach for them, want to pull them off. But Saber and I would remind them, that those things were not what we were there for that wasn't the purpose of our being there and why we might well afford them which wasn't the case at that time they were not what we were about and they weren't our purpose for coming and they didn't define the trip this is what paul's trying to get across to these immature christians our lives are not about fleshly liberty 1 Corinthians 10, verse 31. Powerful verse. So then, these things being true, whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do all to the glory of our great God. Do what? All. all. Why not you underline that little word there? Because it includes everything. All. Now guys, this is what we're about. This is what we are created for. It's not about what we can consume upon our body. We don't live to those things. When we say that we're going to live to the glory of God, that's, that's more than the dedication of our activity. It's More than an attitude of thanksgiving. It's more than a perfunctory blessing before the meal. It's more than an acknowledgement or a tip of the hat towards the man upstairs. It is a determination of faith to live out the truth moment by moment. You see, you don't create the glory of God. You don't. You don't create the glory of God. But... The glory of God is in His presence. The glory of God is in His activity. The glory of God is in you. You express the glory of God when you yield to your new life in Christ. You remember Romans 3.23? Romans 3.23 For all have sinned and come short of what? The glory of God. You see, when we were without Christ, we had no hope to bring glory to him. Well, it kind of tells you what God's purpose was. It'll give you some indication of how he crafted us after the cross. We were not capable to fulfill our created purpose, which was the expression of the glory of God. But now, because we're in Christ, his glory is to be expressed in what? All things. John chapter 1 verse 14. And the word Christ became flesh. And he lived among us. And we actually saw his glory. Glory as belongs to the one and only begotten son of the father. The son who is truly unique. The only one of his kind. Who is full of grace and truth. Absolutely free of deception. You are in Christ. You live in His glory. You have beheld His glory. You are to express His glory. I can live to and from the glory of God because I am in Christ. Now ask yourself a question. Do you really want to live Christianity in the limited, unrealized potential of an infant? Or do you want to live the free abundant life of a new creation ever growing in the reality of our liberty to love, to bless, to praise, to worship, to minister, to live in the joy of Christ? That's your choice. Verses 32 and 33. Do not offend Jews or Greeks or even the church of God, but live to honor Him. Just as I please everyone in all things as much as possible, adapting myself to the interest of others. Not seeking my own benefit, but that of the many, so that they will be open to the message of salvation and may be saved. Well, it looks like we can't offend anyone. Jews, Greeks... Even the church of God, that kind of includes everybody. That covers all men, all kinds. We're called to be selfless in our attitude towards all men. John 5.30 reflects that. It reflects the selfless life of Christ, where he says, I can do nothing of my own initiative or authority. Just as I hear, I judge. And my judgment is just, fair, righteous, and unbiased. Because I do not seek my own will, but only the will of him who sent me. Listen, there is a will involved here. There's a choice involved here. And if I live to the appetites of my flesh, I will choose, I will will according to my flesh. That's the choice. Now, Jesus had a real simple philosophy for living he wasn't trying to figure out whether or not it was right for him to go here or right for him to go there whether or not he was legally allowed to do this or do that whether or not it was right for him to sit in the fight with sinners and whether or not it was okay for him to do this and that and the other he was not trying to figure the word out he wasn't sitting studying the commandments so he could he could rightly order each step he had a real simple philosophy on it Listen, this is not my life. I am not the shepherd. What I do, I do because the Father instructs me. Now, how many of those questions would have been asked if the Corinthians were walking according to that? I wonder. Listen, Jesus found the truth of living in absolute freedom is recognizing your life is not your own, that He is our life. Thank
1: you for joining us for His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger. This program is the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. If you'd like to know more about us, visit us on the web at hislifeministries.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship.